0: All right, so the next week after that, we are off. Everyone gets to take a breather for a week. By weeks are always nice. This one comes late into the season. Well, like halfway through the season. So that's that's good. Um, and then the following week, Tech Mobile is back on Thursday nights. We play Virginia Tech in Blacksburg. I think that's an 8 p.m. kickoff versus Virginia Tech. Let's see. Well, the notes I got here, there's been some weirdness with quarterback Josh Jackson's eligibility. They've had their own sort of scandals on both sides of the ball. They've lost players to the draft and also suspensions. Thursday night Tech Bowl games, Tech Bowl games are also
1: spooky. So uh, prediction and why? Fuente has come into each of the last two years favored, uh, yet Tech has pulled out the win in each of the last two. We've won three of the last four. History doesn't determine the future, but it's definitely on our side. I think Paul Johnson has seen a lot of a lot of this defensive scheme before, and I think that uh that Blacksburg is scary. So I'm pretty split down the middle on this one, to be honest. Like I said, my gut is never to call a loss. But if there's if there's a game we're gonna lose on the road, Thursday night, Blacksburg, like the Hokies live live for this. That that you go on almost any quarter of the internet and Thursday night games are, are there ride or die? You know, like there's, there's not a much tougher atmosphere, home, home field advantage, sorry, that you can pull off than Lane stadium for Thursday night ESPN football. I think tech tech's gonna, tech's gonna have a tough one here, but, uh, Matthew Jordan's gotten, gotten it done in the past. And, uh, In Taquan, I trust. Uh, There's no reason to say he can't do it again. But I think uh, Virginia Tech finally gets a chance to even the score. Um, They'll pull out a win probably about 27-17, 27-20. Not not too far apart, but Virginia Tech's going to defend their turf pretty darn well. So if we win, it'll be a a steal of a win.
2: Yeah, I think you're dead on with that, especially the home field advantage part. It's just hard to win it in that environment, even though Tech did it. Uh, with with um Matthew Jordan starting a couple of years ago. But uh we there there was a lot of hope for a split second when we thought that Virginia Tech's quarterback Josh Jackson was gonna be probably gone forever. He's and then the next talent. day turned absolutely. And then I think the next day or two days later we figured out that he's not gone forever and he will probably play against us this year. Wow, so wow. the good news is that um Virginia Tech finally ran out of Edmonds's and uh Fuller's to play against us. Was, <laughs> they have a lot of good Edmonds and Fullers. But the bad news is that for some reason they have still got a lot of Bud Foster left, and it won't go away. It's incurable, uh, and that guy just is really, really good at stopping the option. With whatever. Bud Foster. Defense. Bud Foster's immortal. Yep. See, I'm telling you, Georgia Tech. We have the misfortune of playing in the coastal, or playing against two defensive coordinators every year who are the only two in the on Earth with no aspirations of becoming a head coach, which are Bud <laughs> Foster and Brent Venables at Clemson. it's just not fair because they're the only two guys that stopped the option every single time. But I think that tech's got a shot in this game, but Clemson or sorry, Virginia tech is ultimately, I think going to win it probably by about 10 points. So I'll go something like mm, 24, 14, Virginia tech. We
1: talk a lot about um, tech's fluky losses last year to, uh, to Miami and to Virginia and to Tennessee, but not a lot, not as much uh, ink gets built about how honestly Virginia Tech was kind of a fluky win, like that fourth and fourth and almost nothing call by Fuente in their red zone and then batting away a uh, Johnny Kerr, I believe batting away a pass to seal the deal at the end of the game, like if either of those plays go the other way, then we could be looking at Virginia Tech having won last year and Justin Fuente exercising his. Uh, his demons, I guess, against Paul Johnson. But it's going to be an interesting matchup, to say the least. Yeah, I, sure. think, I think Lane Stadium is just too...
0: Yeah, like Again, it's just so much of a home field advantage, especially on a Thursday night. Tech Mobile, I, I want to say that Georgia Tech is... They're, they're just not that great on Thursday night games in the Tech Mobile, especially on the road. Virginia Tech... It, like we said, they lose a little bit on defense, but Bud Foster is still you know alive and kicking at first, I wanted to say this was gonna be a push, but if you add in you add in the home field advantage, you add in Bud Foster, which I guess I did considered it ignored before but i I'd say this is this is Virginia Tech
1: um by ten points. Any, right. any final thoughts? I, I, I mean, other than, I mean, I'm a superstitious guy, like I said, about homecoming, but it works against you when you talk about uh, going up on the road to the state of Virginia, you know, Lane Stadium. A lot of people think there's devils up in Charlottesville, too. You know, it's it's a tough place to go on the road and play, and especially on that Thursday night. Yeah. Hopefully, that buy, having a bye right before we go up to Blacksburg
0: helps, but... I I just don't know how much it it will. Agreed. All right. So, next on the list, a trip up to Chapel Hill. I may have this wrong, but I thought we played
1: played at UNC last year. Never mind. No, they came down here. We beat them uh, pretty solidly. Uh, They had a pretty bad team last year, though. Right. Right. Because Larry Fedora um, lost his marbles, and they had a lot of injuries last season yeah they also lost to a subpar cal team so i don't know how much of it's due to injuries and whatnot but they didn't they didn't replace them with that much this year so go figure right uh and speaking of things they
0: need to replace they also have 13 players suspended throughout the season for selling limited edition jordans classy yep you know in my opinion they should have a a lot more players suspended for ineligibility because of fake classes but let's just sweep that one Ooh. under the rug for now uh it's a young you you you're looking at a young UNC team in chapel hill but it's it's also an experienced UNC team a lot of those guys got playing time because of the rash of injuries that UNC had in in 2017 i mean UNC's 2017 was more or less Georgia Tech's 2015 with the amount of injuries and talent they had lost on both sides of the ball. So, I ask again,
1: prediction and why? I, whenever I think of Chapel Hill, the first game that comes to mind is the 1990 game against the University of North Carolina. Because in that game, we tied them. And it was a pretty, it it was a very tie like tie. You know, like we earned every bit of that, not loss. And even even if you think about it like going up to Charlottesville, going up to UNC, going up to Keenan Stadium, has more often than not, uh, we've walked into it as a game we should win. And we've come out of it with a tie or disappointment. Two years ago, uh, Ted Roof got the doors absolutely blown off his defense in the game. Justin Thomas got injured um, actually the same weekend uh, schedule wise um, as the upcoming this year. Uh, But just going up to UNC has kind of, I don't know. It's, it's a little voodoo ish in my opinion. Um, But uh, UNC is a, a young team, a young team that's seen a lot of suspensions, but I don't think they were a very, a good team last year and they don't have a ton of talent coming in to replace that. We beat them pretty solidly. Granted, we play them later in the season this year, so maybe they'll guys their guys will get a rhythm, but if we want to have that special season again, this is a game we got to win. Um against this team, against this coach, and I think we we come out of Chapel Hill with a victory. Um score-wise, the line line's not going to be a ton. It's not going to be as much as it was last year cuz we did beat them pretty thoroughly on the flats, but um, maybe like a nice, a nice, like 31, 21, a nice 31, 24, something like 10 that. Point, you 10 know. point line
0: to score. A yeah. Line. They,
1: yeah, they score a lot against us and we score a lot against them. So no one likes playing defense in this series. Defense weirdly. is nice. Sometimes apparently.
2: I've heard <laughs> allegedly.
0: <laughs> According to sources, defense
1: is nice.
2: Yeah. We haven't That's... had that at all. Did they put up I think was it five or six hundred yards in what twenty I guess fourteen? That was awful. Twenty sixteen they put up at
1: least that many too. It was it was absurd. I was the only Georgia Tech student in their student section and they went from being mad to feeling pity. And there's nothing worse than being an opposing fan in an away stadium and them not hating you anymore. They just feel bad for you. That's that's not a feeling that I think Nate Woody's defense will allow,
2: but roof got the doors
1: blown off
2: of him. So, I hope not. Like Larry Fedora, his offense has always been his involved, and it's still going to be that way. But I just really hope there's there's enough on defense to stop them a little bit. I don't think they're too good of a team this year, at mm-hmm. least compared to what they been prior to 2017. But I mean, you, if there's any coach to be afraid of the <clears throat> possibility of him suddenly dropping a bunch of points on you out of nowhere, it's noted neurologist Larry Fedora. <laughs> Oh, boy. Yeah, I, I'm with y'all. I, I think
0: this is – it's not a trap game because it's not a bad opponent, but this is a surprising game because, like you said, Fedora can drop points on you at any at any time, and Roof got the doors blown off of him. So it's going to end – It's like, like, Cade, you said, it's going to end up coming down to the defense. Can Nate Woody's defense uh, match up well against Larry Fedora's offense? I think putting the line at two scores around 10 points is pretty safe. Uh, I'll probably say I'll 28-27. Say Heck. Because mm-hmm. I, I think it's just, it's a really good matchup. UNC, UNC and Duke are those two opponents where I'm just like, the game is going to be a toss-up every time. And yeah. I, I, I just That's don't good. think there's a clear, clear favorite. Obviously, like, the putting the spread at 10 points is is a safe bet. But, like, I I think it's going to be well within that.
2: Yeah, I think you, it'll you be and- a little close than that. I would probably go with maybe, like, a 13-ish point Tech win just because I, I have no belief in their defense. And I have slightly more belief in their offense, more their, like, potential than their actual physical existence is what I am afraid of of their offense. For so sure. I would go with something. Right. maybe. Th- 30 to 20 tech or something like that. Yeah. And I
1: I feel you on the North Carolina and Duke just being puzzling schools. We played Duke 85 times, two more times than Clemson and North Carolina 54. But like the, it's, it seems like they're a completely different or surprising team every time we play them. And there's, it's, it's tough to get a good read even in what seems like a down year for, North Carolina, with the suspensions and with coming off not not so great year last year, they're they're always a team that we've sort of played close or has given us fits every once in a while, and it's very likely that it's a team that that happens again for this coming season. Yeah, and uh, right. and it's important to note, and I, I that if you look at the
0: two seasons recently where Tech has done really well, uh, twenty fourteen and twenty sixteen, in twenty in both years. Tech lost to Duke and UNC. Yep. So it's maybe it, I don't know if if these two games are indicative of the rest of the season, but they're just they're just weird. Like it, there's no other way to put them. They're just like weird games in the middle of the season where it could go either way, and that and trying to call that sort of game is just very
1: off-putting. Agreed. And Grant, we did beat Duke in 2016, but it only furthers your point. They're, they're, they're tough, seemingly toss-up-y type games where, you know, it's we've had games against UNC where it comes down to whoever has the ball last wins, and we've yeah. had games against Duke where they've blown the doors off of us or we've gotten solid wins. You never really know what's going to happen. Right. So I guess that's all we have to say on UNC. Let's move
0: on to the next week. Now we're starting to get into the home stretch a little bit. Uh, November 10th on the flats versus Miami, this time of Florida, not of Ohio. Uh, <laughs> it's going to be a whiteout. We're going to put on those awesome white top and navy numeral jerseys, which we'll touch on in a bit. Miami in 2017 honestly got super lucky and and it's not it's not just my opinion. I think a lot of writers have said that it Rick Mark Richt has always been Mark Richt and has been consistent in his like nine to ten wins um, throughout his history as a coach. But now he has a few questions a quarterback with Malik Rozier underperforming during the back half of the season, and his defense kind of blew up in his face versus Wisconsin in the Orange Bowl. So, wasn't what? Too great in Clemson, either? Yeah, and they got blown out by Clemson, too. So, and they took a loss versus Pitt. Yes. It was, it was Pitt, where it was just, they just kind of couldn't put it together. And Pitt was up by like, I want to say like 10, like two or three scores at one point. Miami is a super, in, was, was super lucky. That is the bottom line. And that is the point that I'm trying to make here.
1: What do we expect out of 2018's game versus Miami? Allow me to fill in the context of the statement I'm about to make before everybody crucifies me. Uh-oh. But I would like to go back to the days of Chan Gailey playing Miami. We were 3-1 and one against Miami in the last four four years before Paul Johnson rolled into town in 2008. We, uh, we beat them once at home, twice on the road, and lost to them once at home. But since... Paul Johnson has come to Georgia Tech. We are 2-8 and eight against Miami, and that's not to mention his uh, decidedly uh, unsafery record against the coach Mark Richt as well, who was at uh, our favorite school up in Athens um, for most of that tenure. But uh, even the last three years, uh, Paul Johnson hasn't taken a win against Miami, really, since uh, 2014 when we beat them at home. And we also beat them in the original OG whiteout back in 2008. That said, I think that we played them really well last year. And I think saying that just because, oh, it's Paul Johnson playing Miami or it's Paul Johnson coaching against Mark Richt, that writes off the future prospects by just ignoring it and looking at the past. Um, We play them on the flats in a whiteout. If both of these teams are looking like we kind of feel like they're going to look, uh, we could be seeing a nice evening slot on ESPN. That's a big game. That's a, that's a good time on the flats. And I think Georgia Tech, to count them out just because of saying, oh, we're 2-8 and eight against them in the last decade, is premature.
2: Yeah. I think that this is actually going to be probably the the closest and maybe the most fun game of the season, just from like a fan's perspective of watching the game. Because I think these are two really evenly matched teams. Um, I remember, I guess, two years ago when we were playing them in 2016, that the big storyline was whether or not Miami's trio of then-freshman linebackers, which was Zach McLeod, Shaq Quarterman, and Michael Pickney, would be good enough as true freshmen to stop the option. And it turns out they were. And now the bad news is that we're here two years later and these guys are not juniors and they're still here doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. So um, that doesn't bode particularly well. Neither does um, Mark Rick's history against Georgia Tech in the option. Um, Malik Rogier I don't think is nearly as good a quarterback as we thought he was at one point in time. But there's no question he's always by really strong players on offense, um, especially when you're talking about guys like Travis Homer and DJ Dallas, which is the top two guys on their depth chart at running back. Um, They're just really, really good, really talented players. I think Homer might have missed a lot of the last season due to an injury, if I remember that right. But if he's back in force, that's big. But ultimately, I think that Paul Johnson just can't solve them very well. And even though it's the closest to maybe the most entertaining game, I think it might end up being a Georgia Tech loss in something like 28-27 Miami.
1: Like yeah. always, this game, the game up in Blacksburg and the Miami V Piss U game are going to decide the coastal, in my opinion. Yep. And whether that comes down to the you Kate, you mentioned the, the linebackers for Miami being freshmen uh two years ago in twenty sixteen. They gave Justin Thomas on back to back plays a hell of a time uh, with those two fumble return for touchdowns oh and these oh. guys are huh. bigger and better than they were then and we respond with a Taquan Marshall who granted I do like Taquan Marshall a lot but that's that's a tall order he's gonna be staring some pretty some pretty big guys in the face come uh come November
2: yep you're right about that
1: last year Again, it was those two it was two very evenly matched teams and I think
0: putting this as a push or a like a two point spread is is pretty good. I um, mean pretty yeah. pretty safe.
2: Yeah, that's for I, sure. I'd be shocked if was a blowout either way.
0: Yeah. And I think I, I think I'm with UK. I, I think this comes down to to one point and it's gonna be 28-27. But I'll take the bounces going Tech's way this season. The literal bounces in
1: this case because of the stupid bouncing off the... Yeah, we don't need to relive that one, but we do every day, it seems. All right. So, moving on
0: to the second-to-last week of the season versus our favorite school in Charlottesville, Virginia, UVA. UVA uh, is not looking too hot this year. Bronco Mendenhall is in, what, like year three or, or four? And this offseason, he stated he only had, what, like 29-something ACC-caliber players on his roster. I mean, it could be the case that he only has 29. But given that we didn't look so hot in the UVA game last year, I don't think we really have much to say in our defense. But I want to say Bill Conley projects UVA as being like a... Three or four win team this season and this also has the unfortunate consequence of being slotted right in between uh, the aforementioned game versus miami and a date in athens with ye old athens community college so
1: what are we thinking about uva first off I decided that UVA is not my favorite school in Charlottesville, Virginia, so I Googled one to replace it. So we're going to go with the Renaissance School, a college prep high school for high ability students, which has an outstanding 5.0 rating on Google Maps. So, you know, it's got to be That sounds like tech's kind of school. Honestly, it does. Uh, So Renaissance School, yay. But uh, the Cavaliers of Virginia, nay. Um, we We get them on the flats. Um, I don't think they're going to be too hot this year. Bronco Mendenhall, I, I'm I'm skeptical out of uh, his past performances. I think we really, really did our darndest to lose that game to them last year, and that was on the road. If we lose this game, it's the sign of the times, and I think it's going to be in conjunction with a couple other conspicuous losses on our schedule. Uh, so I think they send the Eisenhower toy drive out with a win like they did two years ago Uh, at least I very much hope they do but uh yeah no Mendenhall's team's really thin and uh Tech's going to be defending the house and we we've played very very well at home the last couple years um so I think that's going to be a W by a couple scores
2: I just feel like at this point I've been hurt so many times by projecting big victories over UVA that I just can't do it anymore Especially when I think about what Bronco Mendenhall's done versus Tech, not only at UVA because he's he's beaten us, but also when he was at BYU. Uh, we played BYU. Oh, I with Oh boy, two, two times, three times, and I, I'm pretty confident we lost all those games to UVA or to BYU. Uh, I don't know a whole lot about UVA's defense for this year, but just looking over what they have coming back on offense, they've got some guys that were really, really harmful for, for Tech's defense last year. Evan Butts is their tight end, who, if I remember right, had a really big game. Hassis Dubois, their wide receiver, who has one of the cooler names you can find. Um, It's just their talent isn't there. Their own coach said as much, which is kind of unprecedented and and really weird and not probably a great idea for recruiting. (laughs) But but the bottom line is that I just can't feel confident predicting a win against them anymore because it's just hurt us so many times in the past. So I'm going to have to say (laughs) that this is the one kind of, huge, soul-crushing loss of the season. I hate to project that. And it's more of just the sentiment that we always lose one unexpected game and win one unexpected game than anything else. But I think there's a good chance that that's it this year and that UVA could win by something like three points, like 27-24. Yeah, that's, that's fair,
1: especially looking back the last uh, 15, 16 years. Uh, we've dropped, I think we're 8-8 eight and eight against them in the last 16 Six and four under Paul Johnson, but you're right about those two uh, those two losses to uh BYU that that's Bronco Mendenhall's engineering right there, so uh, he's definitely a guy that has had Tech's number in the past. Yeah yeah
0: I get Bronco Mendenhall has had our number, and I, I get not doing so hot versus BYU and two losses versus or like recent losses versus UVA. but I still cannot wrap my head around. Losing to a possibly three-win UVA team. Like, I haven't personally taken a look at UVA's schedule and, like, portioned it out, win and loss. But, Jesus, that that's a... If this entire season is a wash and is ended by uh, a loss to UVA, not even considering the rivalry game the next week, but that that's a... Coach firing level game to lose. Right. Yeah. It is. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, but I do agree that Bronco Mendenhall and him against Georgia Tech is weird. So I'll take twenty-seven twenty Tech at home, given home, given um, what like a four point spread plus the three points for home field advantage. All, All right. right. Yeah. That's, That's nice. how I'm feeling. So. Moving on to the final game of the 2018 slate in Athens versus Athens Community College. yes, I will be referring to it as Athens Community College. No, you cannot stop me and let's let's be objective for a second. This team made it to the national title game and is is SEC, and was SEC champions and, and deservedly so as much as I hated watching the Rose Bowl and. Ugh. and and they violated the sanctity of the Rose Bowl by it being an SEC versus Big 12 team. Now all that yada yada yada. Objectively. That's my bit, Akshay. I know, which is why I stole it. Objectively, <laughs> they deserve to be there. And they lost that national championship game on a couple of fluke plays. And I as much as I very much so hate to say it, like this is physically paining me to say. So the series between Kirby Smart and Paul Johnson is now 1-1 after them demolishing us at home 38-7 last season. Nick Chubb and Sony Michelle are gone, uh, both in the NFL. Nick Chubb is with the Browns, so he's irrelevant nowadays. But DeAndre Swift, Brian Herrien, and Elijah Holyfield now make up that backfield. All of them are five
1: stars, I believe. Demetrius uh, from Cal can play, right? Yeah. Wide uh, yeah. I forgot to put that in my notes. Demetrius, what, Robertson?
0: Robertson? Yeah, The former five-star wide... recruit at wide receiver, like you said, is now eligible to play with, I believe, a hardship waiver after transferring from Cal to Athens Community College to be with his uh, ailing mother. Jake Fromm, quarterback there, broke his non-throwing hand in the offseason because of a boating incident, but Classy. he's been... But he's in healthy and performing as expected in camp. The defense is still almost entirely intact, I believe. They're just kind of going plug and play at the positions where they lost talent to the draft. I know they lost Roquan Smith to the Bears. The Bears! Who I believe may have not signed before training camp. But that's a whole other situation. <laughs> all in all... Athens Community College, community college so they may be, is still the prohibitive favorite in the SEC East. And if Saban didn't exist, probably the SEC too. So, for the final time today,
1: and possibly the most painful time, prediction and why? Uh, First of all, I respect you for your commitment to calling them Athens Community College, Jaxhae. Uh, if you look Thank at you. my body of work here at this fine website, um, I've never once referred to uh, the school in Athens as anything resembling that. so good, that's good tradition. I like to keep that going. But traditions um, are great. Yeah, they're, uh, I don't know anything about Georgia Tech traditions or history for that matter. but um, Yeah, no. Um, this is a scary game. Uh, going up oh, to yeah. Athens is never never easy. Though, Paul Johnson does have a 3-2 and two record up there. But they, they didn't lose a lot. Kirby Smart taking over for Mark Rick didn't really miss a beat on the recruiting trail. With Eason gone up in Washington, uh, people, you'd think, based on him being a very, uh, very highly talented player, that they'd miss a beat. But even then, they've got Jake Fromm, plus another great recruit, of uh, the Bench. I can't remember Justin for the life of me what his name yeah. is. Justin Fields. Yeah, Fields. I knew it was another JF. But yeah, no. Uh Jake from State Farm memes aside, the man is a, not not a bad player, you know? I think that UGA might lose a little on the ground. They've been buffing up their uh running back pictures with some Photoshop. I know that was a controversy a while back. But um <laughs> I mean, if that's what we're picking nits at, that that's like lit that doesn't affect them on the field. That's bad. Like we're trying to find bad. Yeah, we're, we're trying, trying to, to, to
0: find Photoshop like issues
1: with their Photoshop skills. Like like uh, let's cut let's cut to the chase here. We're all terrified of this game. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I get to spend money to go watch us in an opposing stadium and I have no idea what the outcome is, but I feel like whatever it is, the odds are very high it's not gonna be good for the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets.
2: Yeah, that this is this is the Second biggest, I think, talent disparity just because I think Clemson might actually be as bad, uh, worse than Georgia possibly could. Honestly, I think Georgia's not the same team they were last year. I don't think they're going to be a national title caliber team this year just Ooh. because they lost so much. Even though they're returning so much, I think it was kind of a perfect storm with what they had last year. That's fair. Um, mm-hmm. I'm especially not a believer in Jake Fromm. He's a really good quarterback, but he's I I see him as more of a game manager than like a game changer like they've had in the past with Aaron Murray and guys like that, who is really his success last year, I think, was a byproduct of everyone else's success around him. Like, I don't think there was a quarterback on earth who wouldn't have had some success with that team um, and with that supporting cast, kind of like Alabama and um, Jalen Hurts and different situations like that. But, yeah, the I know, actually, you referenced earlier that they won on fluke play last year. My sources have actually confirmed that that was Mark Richt because, you know, when he went to Miami, he grew his <laughs> He became bad boy Mark Richting, like bought a Harley and got a goatee and started doing voodoo. And so like burned incense and threw darts at Kirby Smart's face on a, you know, poster board. And that's why they lost actually. It's a common misconception. though But, um, but that, that's that. And, yeah, I'm not – I don't want to make a score prediction because I feel bad.
1: Yeah, can we just mutually agree to not call this game? That's fair. I don't like calling scary losses. <laughs>
0: yeah, our our consensus here is just that this is – This is a terrifying proposition to go into Athens and it just scares me thinking about in August. And this game is at the end of November.
1: Hopefully we're at six by then and we're going bowling. That's all I'm going to say. It would be nice to start another bowl streak. Oh, we could go to the Elk Grove Village Bowl. Oh my goodness. That would be amazing. That's right by my house. (laughs) Yeah, but the game is actually in the Bahamas, so... (laughs) They wanted. They want makers. Yeah, in Shreveport.
2: I want to go to the one in Shreveport. We I thought
1: in, I thought the Independence Bowl
0: was discontinued.
2: That's the one in Shreveport. Oh, well, we can found a new one and go play it in Shreveport, just for the sake of visiting such a wonderful place. <laughs> but
1: see, all the great names like the Gasparilla Bad Boy Mower or whatever that one was—it's uh, already taken. So that is—we got to go find name. a good sponsor.
0: That is like a, a mid-December you're like on winter break trying to find something on TV to to watch. You throw that on just you you find that on ESPN and you throw that on purely because of the name, not because of the teams oh, that yeah. are playing, but purely because of the name. Like what what doesn't excite you about Gasparilla Bad Boy Mowers Bowl? Sounds Gasparia. like quality content. <laughs> Amazing. Amazing bowl name, Uh, but it is it is decidedly besides the point because we are still in August and uh, football season is still yet to come, and so are the six wins to
1: get the bowl eligibility. Now, oh oh no, go ahead. ahead. No, no, I I insist. since, Since we got to, since we had to talk about scary things like Athens Community College, that school up east, whatever. Can we talk about the fun stuff, like the locker room and the video oh, yes, boards yes. and the jerseys? That's where ah, I was
0: perfect. going next. All right, nice. we talked about the schedule. We talked about being scared at the end of the season. Now let's talk about some happy stuff. So we got a new locker room. Looks amazing. Lots of shiny new stuff. Lots of tech in there. There's a like a mini pool in there and a sauna, and it it looks great. Like the, I that is a Power Five, like, I spent a lot of money on this type of locker room. I think the estimated cost was, what, like $4.5 million that was donated to make it happen. Thank you, anonymous donor that donated that. Uh, And the best part about all of this is that most of the vendors and contractors were all Georgia Tech alumni. Um, And so Todd Stansbury... Dug up a lot of alumni, got them to buy into the project, and brought them back into the fold, which I think is like the best part about this entire renovation.
1: It just shows to Todd yeah, sticking very- to what he's talking about. You know, he's preached it all along, bringing the alumni in, getting buy in in the program. Doesn't matter where it comes from, it's good, good press, good investment.
2: I like that a lot. Yeah, for me, the, bo- the huge bottom line here is that we finally got a guy who understands the importance of having <clears throat> up to date facilities because at this point, all the improvements we're making, we're not really getting ahead with anyone. We're just trying to catch up, which is really the most you could ask for at this point. Because the majority of the conference and of Power five teams in the country have basically eclipsed you in facilities and resources and everything like that. So the fact that Todd Sansbury has made such a huge commitment after just being here for such a short time and has already started to fulfill those commitments is a really big deal for the program. Mm-hmm.
0: But we'll, we'll get to that. That's, that's a little bit further on our program. But other new um, improvements, courtesy of Todd Stansbury, um, new video boards on the sidelines, and the, a huge one where they schedule post 3 usually goes at Callaway Plaza, uh, which looks super nice and is also going to burn the eyes out of all those sorority houses uh, on that side street. True. That's the time to be an 80 pie, right? And Alpha Phi. Alpha Phi is nice. the other house down that way. And uh, the new one. And, Alpha Chi Omega
1: is the other one. Actually, no sororities. But anyways, continue. Oh, boy.
0: All right. But the best part, the 100% best part about having Todd Stansbury there is the new Adidas uniforms. They're finally out. And oh, my God, they're glorious. Jake, please
1: tell us more. Oh, uh, yes. So we've got two out so far. Uh, We've got the home. That's the uh, gold helmet with a white top and gold numbers with the navy outline. Uh, Adidas actually, uh, you can see it on both uh, both setups, the white out and the home kit. Um, but they've, there's a swarm pattern inside, which is based on the yellow jacket uh, like stripes that you got. So that's pretty cool. Uh, really shows Adidas going up and down to find uh, to find things that set tech apart. One of the like more maligned parts of tech or adidas in general had been their uh so-called tire tread but like at the same time if they had given us rambling wreck tire tread we would have been happy i really like that there's the uh swarm pattern inside the gold even if it makes it look a little different than the uh than the accents on the jerseys and whatnot but i think i think it shows good commitment from adidas to the program and then there's another uniform still to come so that'll be exciting when that gets released.
2: Yeah, I can't believe how many people are complaining about these uniforms. Just compare them to everything we've ever had before, and they're <clears throat> they're just great. The fact that just so many people are really upset about <clears throat> differing gold, which I think was probably unintentional, but seeing today pictures of Fan Day players wearing them, they really look good even with the two different kind of tones of gold on them. But the bottom line for me with this is that the uniforms are not really for fans so much as they are for players. And recruiting and yep. the benefits you get from that, like as in 100, percent that's the whole benefit. But I understand there's people who are on certain social media platforms who <laughs> comment and who say, "Who would, who would, if I gave them a bottle of water in the desert, they would be mad that it wasn't like Purina." So that's isn't Purina. That's not cat food. Yeah, that's a dog <laughs> food. Act. I would complain if my water was dog food too.
1: Now. <laughs> Close enough. Yeah, the, the the thing about uh, the the two different colored golds is on the art sheet, tech has metallic gold and non-metallic gold. Yeah, it's, like, it's it's technically it's in the art sheet. It, these these uniforms aren't some random hodgepodge nonsense. They look great. They comply with our new branding and our unified tech gold, be it metallic or non-metallic, which is really. I haven't seen them in person, but what I'm feeling is going to be probably the biggest difference here. Adidas, Adidas walks, walks the walk. They don't just say we want to give you one gold and then just like start churning out uniforms that don't match what they're saying. Todd Stansbury has clearly shown time and time again that he holds his department and what he believes tech can be to a really high standard. So I, I think that these uniforms are a great extension of that, and they're going to continue even with this third one that we haven't seen yet. I'm thinking that third one is either solid gold or solid navy.
0: I know navy's n- like supposed to be a tertiary color, but it'll it'll make a comeback. There's yeah, no way like you, you need sell a,
1: more material that way too.
0: Exactly, and you need a clash kit. I know that's what it's called in soccer, but you need a clash kit uh-huh. for uh, situations where the the road team isn't gonna let you wear white at home or whatever the NCAA rule is. In addition to that, there are a couple comments that Stansbury made during his presentation that I just wanted to touch on. Um, He emphasized that the partnership uh, between Athletics and Adidas isn't just an on-field sort of transactional thing. It's also at the core of what Athletics is doing. He was talking about sustainability projects that Adidas and Athletics are working on. Opportunities for students could also be a thing in the future. In short, I think the Adidas uh, rep that was there at the event also touched on this. Tech is ve- is a very highly valued school in Adidas's plan, despite what the late release schedule on these uniforms and the gear might belie. It seems like Tech and like Adidas is really wants to work together with Tech and build new technologies and and, and improve you know, improve their own processes, as well as uh, strengthening tech's brand. And I think that's an important part of this whole partnership as well.
1: Seems like they wanted to do it right. And I respect them for taking a little time to make sure it was done well. Like with the Roman Reigns in the release, like even little details like that, they really seem to pull it all together. They made the event something that you want to aspire to go to. Like, yeah, it kind of stinks that not everybody could just walk into the event. But hey, these people are a are uh, gtaa high level donors apparently or young donors and they want to create this kind of atmosphere that makes people not just looking at the program but they want people invested in it and it seems like adidas uh, is really investing in tech as well so that's really good on todd stansbury
2: right and that you mentioned the roman reigns uh review that was a great idea i mean, oh, i oh, got yeah. so much more so much more coverage than it would have if it was anybody else, just because uh WWE is such a huge thing, even if it, I'd like, I thought it had been fading a little bit, but then when you reviewed did that reveal, it was just a huge um, buzz all over social media and everything from non Georgia tech people, from all kinds of people who had saw, seen that. So yeah, that and that's, great
0: idea. and that's something that really gets the brand out there. That's a huge advertising opportunity. Like the WWE and Roman Reigns, Twitter accounts have many, like a, like many
1: factors, more followers than Georgia Tech football does on Twitter. I so, mean, you saw our mentions just from the Rumble seat shoot way up from all these uh, WWE types uh, getting some good traction on what Danny and uh, the rest of the gang on Twitter were putting it out, you know? Yeah. So,
0: I, you know, I have my personal issues with, you know, the, the timing of the event and and I, I know our staff at From the Rumble Seat has touched on this a little bit. It was on a Friday night. Uh, Sometimes some people considered it a little bit of a news dump. It was a private event. It was specifically catered towards a certain demographic like we've established. Um, Adidas gear has still kind of been hard to come by, um, even though that contract has been in effect for um, basically a month and a half at this point. But I, I have to agree. I think this was done the right way, despite it taking a little long to actually execute. Sure, it was a, you know, like, it was a little played out and, and we kind of grumbled our way through it, but taking the time to invite local celebrities and former alums like uh, Joe Anoa'i, who is Roman Reigns um, in real life, who uh, played with Calvin Johnson here at, at Tech and getting buy-in from young alumni who will then become big money donors in the future with enough like sustained interest? That's also super important. I, I think, and this hits on something we're going to touch on next. Todd Stansbury has made a lot of the right moves, and I have to applaud him for that. Coming off of Mike Babinski, which seemed who seemed like he was kind of just firing darts at a wire and seeing what sticks. Like this is a very welcome new direction for the program. Agreed. So uh, with that being said, like we're talking about all this new stuff around the program has generated a lot of buzz, right? And, and it's really energized the fan base. And like we've been saying, like you saw those Twitter mentions from WWE fans, you see like Facebook comments and Twitter, Twitter posts from fans about these jerseys. Hell, the jerseys were sold out in the first like 17 hours of them being available Or something ridiculous like that. This is really kind of taking the fan base by hold, and and that's all because of Athletic Director Todd Stansbury. So that brings us to today's inaugural edition of the Stinger, where we uh, ask our uh, esteemed hosts a hot takes or thought provoking question. So we've had Todd Stansbury for about for almost two years now. And he's had been at the reins of the program. He's making a lot of changes. How do you think he's done so far? And what do you expect to see out of him, both in the short and the long term, moving forward?
1: Quite literally, inside and out, uh, he's reshaping the program uh, in not only his own image but also the image of Homer Rice. Who, uh, if you if you look at the trophies they give out, to some great uh, great figures in sports. You got the Heisman named after our very own John Heisman. It uh, goes to the best player. You got the uh, Dodd, uh, named after our very own Bobby Dodd, which goes to the best uh, coach. And you got the the Rice, the Homer Rice Award, which goes to the best athletic director. And I think Todd Stansbury is doing a great job, uh, staying in touch with not just the general Tech legacy of greatness and how he's tying into creating the next and getting the Hill to move towards this Tech gold. Like these are all great things, but Todd Stansbury keeps it rooted in uh, the legacy of one of his uh, formative uh, formative mentors in Homer Rice and uh, keeping this program on its innovative and legendary track. And I think Todd Stansbury gets just nothing but applause from me for the last two years of his work.
2: I agree completely. He's been a, even better higher than I thought he would be so far. Um, he's really brought this this new sense of innovation to the program that I think has really been missing for a long, long time,
1: mm-hmm. uh, and
2: really that type of innovation is something that's really on brand for what Georgia Tech tries to do, both as a school and hopefully as an athletic program, Since there's so many different resources you can bring in in that regard. Um, and he's really just trying to change a culture that, what they call, what they call Mike Babinski, Bigfoot or Sasquatch or whatever, that he was never there. Yep. Then all of a sudden you have this guy who's present and bringing new ideas and not really ruling things out and trying new things, just like he's done at UCF and at Oregon state in the past. So he's done a great job. Yeah,
0: I am. I'm am 100% behind everything that Todd Stansbury has done so far and probably will do for the foreseeable future. He has just done such an amazing job with this program. Like y'all have said, and I am just so glad that we have an athletic director now that has buy in and is present. and. I mean, you hear it from Paul. Like, Paul has praised publicly praised this guy, which isn't something Paul does for, like, anyone. Right? Agreed. Brian. And you hear about, he's just done such an amazing job of, of taking tech's, you know, engineering and technological innovation background and melding it with what we could do to athletics. I was at this talk with him last year, um and i want to say it was january where he was talking about driving sports innovation at tech and getting uh, and building a culture of innovation at, of of in at, or at tech and it, there were there were a lot of ideas thrown around and he mentioned hey i've set up uh innovation like a assistant athletic director of innovation we're working very tightly with Adidas like we've like we've mentioned before they've integrated a lot more technology into the into the football program like you're seeing that the entire the new locker room is super high tech and on top of that on top of those technological very georgia tech-y things he's also doing the things that other successful athletic programs like at alabama and and oklahoma are doing he's getting alumni involved he's making sure that there is buy-in from the fan base and that he's exposing other people to how good Georgia Tech is and he's selling Georgia Tech to the country as someplace where recruits want to go and people want to go for college obviously we we haven't yet seen I mean we've only had what one recruiting cycle with uh, with Todd Stansbury at the helm, but I think as we keep moving forward, you're gonna see a lot of the kids that may that might choose Stanford over Georgia Tech maybe not the same five like five star kids but definitely the same four star kids that are choosing Stanford over Georgia Tech because they used to see Georgia Tech as a as a like a not so great a brand they run a weird offense i don't really have any nfl prospects if i go there to the school where okay this is an amazing engineering education i have to work hard for that education but i'm with a cohesive brand there's buy-in from the fan base and the program really has it as its stuff together as a whole i think you're going to start seeing that exodus soon you know you can quote me on it if you want but that is the reality of the investment the time and care and investment that todd as a former tech football player as a former athletic tutor has brought to this program and brought to all of the programs under his wing as athletic director in his last two years.
1: Yeah, they, uh, they went out and hired a good tech man, and he knows exactly what this program needs. So hopefully, hopefully he can raise up some good tech men to follow, him, follow behind him, but he seems like he's in here until he retires if he does a good job. I think his performance is going to dictate his length of stay more than his will to move on, because this is his destination, his dream job. And I think we're incredibly lucky to have gotten him back home. Agree. 100% agree. Yep.
0: Any any final thoughts about the direction of the program, Todd Stansbury, uniforms, preseason, anything about football
1: before we wrap it up? Not that I can think of. I think we touched on the schedule pretty well, and I'm really excited to see where this year goes. I think I can speak for both of you in saying that, too. Agree. Yeah, yep. Definitely. That- All right.
0: Thank you everyone for tuning in for our first episode this week. Jake, where can
1: they find you online? Uh, they can find me uh, blasting my articles from FTRS blog on Twitter or a can of bean. Uh, that's my personal handle, but that's usually just my articles as well. But uh, love to hear from you online and all the time. But from the rumble seat is glad to have a great audience like y'all. So just keep us posted with your comments and your, and your thoughts. And Cade, where
2: can they find you? I think I'm, uh, I'm FTRS Cade on Twitter, and I guess I'm on Facebook, too, if y'all want to be Facebook friends. Hey, same with me
1: and Akshay. Oh, yeah, uh,
0: I don't do the whole Twitter thing, but you can also find me uh, at FTRS blog. So for Jake Grant in Chicago and Cade Lawson in downtown Atlanta, this is Akshay saying so long. Uh, And we will see you next time on The Flats. Peace out.